Welcome to Friends in Fiction, five best-selling authors and the stories. Novelists Mary Kay Andrews, Kristen Harmel, Christy Woodson Harvey, Patty Callahan Henry, and Mary Alice Monroe are five longtime friends with more than 80 published books to their credit. In 2020, they created Friends in Fiction to provide author interviews and fascinating insider talk about publishing and writing, and to highlight independent bookstores. These friends discuss the books they've written, the books they're reading now, and the art of storytelling. If you love books and you're curious about the writing world, you're in the right place. Welcome! It's Friends Tonight, and it's Friends in Fiction. Tonight, we welcome a very special guest, Chris Bordalian. Chris is the number one New York Times bestselling author of 22 books, and tonight we'll be discussing the soon-to-be-released Hour of the Witch, a historical thriller set against America's original witch hunt, and we're all very excited to talk to him soon. I'm Mary Alice Monroe. And I'm Mary Kay Andrews. I'm Kristen Harmel. I'm Christy Woodson-Harvey. I'm Patty Callahan-Henry. We are starting the show with a huge, exciting bit of news. So exciting. <laughs> Our own darling, beloved Christine Harvey's new book, Under the Southern Sky, hit the New York Times today. I'm so excited. Thank you guys so sure much do. for all your help. And thank you yes. guys for oh, yeah. my effort. Thank you for having <laughs> Cheers to all of you. Cheers. We had to bring, we had to bring Meg and Sean on Absolutely. To, um, mm-hmm. to celebrate with you. Because yes. they are part, they are the team. Yes. And we they have are. our friends in fiction flutes. Wait, where are yes, that Christine. Yes. <laughs> We're so happy. This is a big news for all of us because, you know, this is her first time on the list and that is the first time. It's, it's the best. <laughs> So, so thank exciting. you. Congratulations. Thank y'all so much. Congratulations, my friends. Thank y'all. Well, we've been celebrating Friends and Fiction birthday all month with gifts for you. And tonight we're offering our final birthday giveaway. So far, we've given away a custom reading lamp from Barn Light Electric, a Caroline's Cake, coffee from Char- Charleston Coffee Roasters, and a variety of cookies and our favorite cheese straws from Mama G's. And congrats to our three winners. And tonight, this week, we have a three-month subscription from our partner, Page One Books. And it's up for grabs, plus one of our most coveted FNF ju- FNF Friends in Fiction jute bags. So who will be the lucky winner? Be sure to enter by this Sunday, May 2nd, and the winner will be revealed on Monday, May 3rd. All right. Now, we appreciate all of our sponsors, including Page One Books, where you can also use that same code, FAB5, to get 10% off your new gift subscription. And, you know, that's what um, Page One does, book subscriptions. Awesome Handpicked personalized book subscriptions from an independent bookstore, right? Sent right to you or to whoever you buy it for. If you like to read, this is a great way to be surprised by new gift wrap books mailed to your door each month. And the and the um, packaging, I have to say, is just beautiful. 
It yes. makes a great gift. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We also want to thank our partner, Mama Geraldine's. If you saw me on tour or you're going to see Mary Kay on tour the next couple of weeks, um, you might have just had some Mama Geraldine's, although we hope that you've <laughs> had them before. Um, but they are the most amazing cheese straws and cookies. And we've heard from so many of you that you love them too. You can order at mamageraldine's.com and you get a 20% discount with the code FAB5. That sounded so New York Times bestsellery. I just can't even get over it. <laughs> I, think yeah. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Before we get started for our regular show, we have something really special to show you tonight. We have enjoyed viewing the book trailers so far for Patty, Christy, and Mary Kay. And tonight we're excited to see the beautiful trailer for Mary Alice's The Summer of Lost and Found, which will be out May 11th. Sean, can we take a look? It shows um, a little bit of everything that's in the book, but this is what a good trailer should do. I'm so excited. Thank you. I have a special gift for all of you who pre-order tonight. And you know how I am a big advocate of non-plastic Uh, non-plastic straws, just don't use them. So I've been looking everywhere for the perfect metal straw, and I think I found it. Sean, I think we have a picture of it up here. I wish I had one to show you. (laughs) It's telescopes, and you have a, look at that cute case. It has friends and fiction on it, and a little straw to clean your metal straw. And I love the silicone tip, because when you drink from a metal straw, it doesn't make your mouth cold, and it's soft, Mm. so you can Put it all in your little case and pop it in your purse. And anyone who orders or pre-orders The Summer of Lost and Found from the Vermont Bookshop tonight will get this as a thank you. I hope you all enjoy it. Well, I cannot wait to get mine, Mary Alice. Each week, one of us writes an essay for Parade Magazine. And this week, Mary Alice Monroe wrote an essay called The Year of Lost and Found. In the essay, Mary Alice tells us how she is researching how to hit the refresh button on her body, how to release the anxiety, drop bad habits, and get back into high gear. Sounds like something that we could all really use a little Mm -hmm. bit of. That makes me wonder what we're all doing to hit the refresh button after the past year of lost and found. Um, So you can drop it in the comments if you want to tell us how you're refreshing. You can also go to parade.com to read Mary Alice's and all of our essays on life's takeaways. And as you know, we have had a bounty of riches this spring (laughs) with four of us total since from March until until Mary Alice's book comes out, all with new books out this year. And did you know that in the publishing world, the paperback of a hard gap cover comes out about a year afterwards, which means we also have the paperback news for you starting this week. The paperback of Mary Kay Andrews Yay. pandemic hardcover <laughs> this summer is out in paperback. So Yay. I love that cover so the paper, much. Oh, the cover so good. It, it is so so good. perfect, and it was such a good book. Yeah, if you, if you don't have it yet, 
Yeah, I kept agree. saying it was my favorite MKA, but now it's the newcomer for sure. Oh, oh I know. I know, but we still have a whole week until the newcomer comes out. So if you That's need right. your yeah. MKA fix in the meantime, mm-hmm. I feel like this That's is right. If you want to see any more pictures of that beach cottage, you better be pre-ordering that book. That's my my favorite thing in the world. I told my mom that today and she was like, that's the funniest thing I've ever heard. And it's brilliant. It's it's working. It's bribery. And I'm I'm okay with it. I'm going to have to get room. myself a beach cottage before my book comes out. I know. We'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, the newcomer will be out next week and nobody gets to see any beach cottage pictures until, until I start seeing some pre-orders roll through. <laughs> but hello summer. Um, is a, I think it's a good paperback to grab while you're waiting. It has all the Florida beach vibes and it fits in your beach bag and it's, you know, it has a lot of my DNA because it takes place at a small town, mm-hmm. um, beach town newspaper. And I actually got my start in newspapering at a very teeny newspapers back in the day. So I hope you'll go out and get it. So good. Absolutely. It's perfect to put in the beach bag right along yeah. with crispy sunglasses and my little straw. You're all set. We've got you covered here. All right. And fiction. And I love yeah. the new cover. And we also love the after show. Um, be sure to hang in there, everybody, because tonight we are talking about the release of Reunion Beach, which is an anthology of stories, essays, and poems that celebrate the life of Dorothea Benton Frank and her abiding love of the Low Country. Patty and I each wrote a short story for this anthology, and we'll talk about these later in the after show. But now we are here to celebrate the work of a remarkable author that all of us love and admire. Chris Bojalian, the number one New York Times bestselling author of 22 novels, each of them as unique and memorable as his newest, Hour of the Witch. This is a novel of historical suspense set in 1662 Boston with a divorce trial that ends up in a witch trial. His 2018 novel, The Flight Attendant, debuted as a New York Times USA Today bestseller, Wall Street Journal, Publishers Weekly, National Indie Bound bestseller. I mean, the list just goes on and on. And The Flight Attendant is an eight-hour HBO Max limited series starring Kelly Cuoco. His novels, Secrets of Eden, Midwives, and Past the Bleachers were made into movies, and his work has been translated into more than 35 languages. He's also a playwright. He is widely respected in his field and with his peers. He has one of the best reputations, author to author, and for his readers. He has a huge list of awards, including the Walter Cerf Medal for Outstanding Achievement in the Arts, the ANCA Freedom Award, the ANCA Arts and Letters Award, and the New England Society Book Award. His novel Midwives was a number one New York Times bestseller. It was a selection of Oprah's book club. And today it's considered a modern classic, which is pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Chris lives in Vermont with his wife, a place or a person he calls a source of his inspiration. He's hard at work on his next novel, The Lions of Hollywood. Can't wait to hear about that. I know. I already want to get it. I mean, no, it's going to be another bestseller. (laughs) We're excited to talk about Chris's new book to be released next week. And no doubt he, this too will be a huge bestseller, Hour of the Witch. Let's welcome Chris Bojalian. 
Thank you. Hi, Chris. Welcome, welcome. Thank you. That introduction was just over the top, but I've got to raise my glass also to Christy and the New York Times bestseller under the southern sky, making the hardest list in the world. Congratulations, Christy. We're very proud. Thank you, Chris. That's so kind of you. Thank you. This is why everyone loves him. (laughs) And we do too. And and everyone tonight is going to fall in love with Chris as well. So welcome. And we've been looking forward to having you on our program for ages. And we're especially excited that you're coming right before the debut of your next novel. Just that's just the best. I have to ask you, after 22 novels, Chris. Do you still get excited? I do. The thrill never ah. wears off. Mm-hmm. You get, you know, the first one or two books that your editor sends you, and you look at it and you kind of hold it in your hands and you yeah. think to yourself, yeah. wow, son of a gun. It's a it's book. A thing. How many sentences in here do I wish I could rewrite? Oh, no. <laughs> Always, always, always. always. Well, well, us, we love, we all can say we loved it. And so I just want to ask you for those who might not have read the book yet, because it's only out next week. Can you give us a quick summary, Chris, of the story? Sure. Um, 1662 Boston. Satan is as real as your neighbor. Mm. It was inspired by the first divorce in North America for domestic violence. And yes, America's first witch hunt. I love it when re- I love it when readers say things like, "It's the crucible meets the Handmaid's Tale." Wow! It's the nexus yeah. of adultery, oh, yeah. I see divorce, that. and witchcraft. <laughs> no, I do see that. That the two. I honestly thought when I looked at it, this the title. It was all about the Salem witch trials, but it precedes it, which is. Really, it does. I mean, and that's perfectly and it's a perfectly natural place to go. I mean, okay. The first time I went to Salem, (laughs) the docent tells the worst joke ever. He says, "So, how many witches did we burn in Salem?" Answer: Zero. We hanged them. Whenever we think of, whenever we think of witchcraft in America, yeah, we go to Salem. And 1692. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the reality is America's first real witch hunt was 30 years earlier. Wow. Hartford, wow. 1662. Wow. In 1656, the governor of Massachusetts had his own sister-in-law hanged as a witch. Wow. 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 Heartless. I mean, th- that's just unbelievable and heartless. And you showed a lot of that in the story. Mm-hmm. You really did. Um, oh, it sucked to be a woman. I mean, not that it's great to be a woman in 2021. There's a moment in the novel when Mary Deerfield, my heroine, is standing before Boston's all-male court of assistants mm. pleading her case. You know, and one of the magistrates, you know, does his best Tucker Carlson and calls her a nasty woman. And I know that reference will not be lost on modern readers. 
Yeah. Nope. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, that's what makes this such a great story. And this is a novel I know we're all out there going to read. And Thank all you. of you out there can get a personalized signed copy of Hour of the Witch for 10% off tonight at our highlighted independent bookstore, which Chris chose called the Vermont Bookshop with the code FF10. And before we dive even deeper into this story, Chris, tell us why you chose this bookstore? I could have chosen a lot of bookstores I love. Yeah. I love the Vermont Bookshop for three reasons. One, everyone who works there is a delight. They are so mm. kind and so smart. Mm. Number two, Robert Frost used to sit in the leather chair in the front and pick all of the books he'd chosen and browse. Wow. And number three, so cool. It's a 15 minute bike ride from my house. Oh, so, six months awesome. a year, I just bike there all the time and personalize books for readers across America. Oh, mm, that's, that's great. amazing. That's it amazing. sounds like such a great place. Well, and and, and it sounds trip. Like, yeah, road yeah. trip. Road trip. Bring, bring your bikes, everyone. Yeah. And it sounds, Chris, like you're going to be personalizing these books, right? So if somebody orders from the Vermont Bookshop tonight or this week, they'll be able to get a book signed by you. Yes, absolutely. I will Such a deal. bike there in the next couple of days and write the books <laughs> and inscribe them to whoever would like them inscribed. That's amazing. And I signed, Are you kidding? And, uh, I'm, not, I'm not proud. I Honestly... Honestly, Chris, personalized, I'm first in line. I'm ordering yeah. Vermont Bookshop. I already read it, but I want your personalized copy. Yeah. All right. Um, and by the way, you have me with Robert Frost. Okay. <laughs> so let's dive into the discussion of this Paige Turner historical novel. There's a lot to unpack. And Chris, what we do is we'll ask our questions and then the we give the audience a chance. So remember out there, all of you, if you want to ask Chris a question, please put it into the feed and we'll do our best to get them for you. So, Patty, why don't you ask the first question? So, Chris, I'm always endlessly fascinated about the origin stories for novels. I think those are as interesting as the novels themselves. And so many times during the reading of this book, I wanted to ask you why this time and this story. I know I wrote to you the minute I finished it. It takes place, like you said, in 1662, and the opening line is one of the best opening lines I've ever read. It's, it was always possible that the devil was present. Ugh, I love Chills, it. right? Mm -hmm. And it hit me how very much that this idea was about the start of the witch hunts, that the devil was always lurking around. Satan was luring women to his side. And even something as innocent as a fork could have the town talking yeah. about you as evil. So I want to know about the origin. How did you come upon this information and what drew you to write on this subject matter? Sure. First of all, Patty, I have to tell you, I loved surviving Savannah. Oh, I, mean, I thought Mrs. You. Lewis, I thought Mrs. Lewis was always going to be my favorite Patty yeah. Callahan book, but surviving Savannah is even better. It's just mm -hmm. Great. So thank you for that gift. Thank we you. Agree. The origins of Hour of the Witch. I've always been fascinated by Puritan theology, going all the way back to college. Imagine a world where 
Satan is as real as your neighbor, a neighbor, and not not church lady Satan. Not well, isn't that special? <laughs> real Satan. Yeah. Imagine a world where you are constantly wondering, "Am I saved yeah. or damned?" Yeah. How do you make sense of a world that is so consistently and seemingly inexplicably horrible? Yeah. So, um, this particular book had been gestating on some level since college. Wow. I came across a couple years ago in 1672 not 1662, an obscure three-line reference in Boston's Court of Assistance. Elizabeth Nanny Naylor successfully sued her husband Edward for divorce on the grounds of cruelty. Mm -hmm. And I did a deep dive into Puritan divorce. Mm -hmm. And I learned two things that surprised me. First of all, Mm -hmm. marriage was a civil ceremony for the Puritans and 31 couples divorced between 1630 and 1692. Wow. And there were five reasons why a woman could divorce her husband. Desertion, polygamy, adultery, and you'll love this when you think of the Puritans, impotence, (laughs) and... Cruelty. Cruelty. Of those 31 divorces, one was for impotence, which is a story in and of itself. And one was for cruelty. Mm. And Must Ed, have been um, Edward Taylor, the man who was divorced, he was a real piece of work. And the other thing I learned was this. The Puritans didn't use forks. There it is. The three-tined three forks. The three-tined three fork. Looked wow. too much like the, the devil's, devil's pitchfork. pitchfork. Oh, right. yeah. The devil's tine. Yeah. So, so the Puritans had, by any objective standards, atrocious table manners. <laughs> they weren't using forks. Hilarious. They drank beer. Like it was spring break in Miami. <laughs> and which might, have, which might explain a lot. <laughs> they didn't use trenchers. Mo- they didn't use plates most of the time. They used trenchers that two or three people would share. So you've got two or three people eating like pigs out of a trough without forks, <laughs> drunk on beer. <laughs> I would love to have been a fly on the wall. Amazing. Oh that's oh, so wow. vivid. No wonder it's such a great story. The details, the details. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Chris. I just, I the whole time I was reading it, I was thinking, what made him interested in this? Because sometimes the seed is planted by someone says something, and sometimes it's been simmering and simmering. Yeah. And it sounds like this was simmering. So. I have such a long collection, such a big library of Puritan books I've had since college. Here's the other thing worth noting. Among the three poets I love best is Anne Bradstreet. 
17th century Puritan Mm -hmm. poet. Her work is so beautiful. And it reminds us that the Puritans' internal lives were as complex as ours. Her poems are these magnificent, lovely poems about the death of a grandchild. Mm. A day Mm. her library burned to the ground and her own doubts about her faith. Wow. Mm-hmm. Sounds like there's so some relevant. more books in there, Chris. Yeah. yeah. Well, and on that note, though Hour of the Witch is set in the 1600s, Mary Deerfield's story resonates today. You touch on the impact of religion, gender, society on our personal lives, and conjuring up specters of Me Too recriminations and social media shaming. Mary Deerfield, even in 1662, is a feminist. She's proud of her intelligence, and her husband dismissed her as white meat. But you reveal how frightening it was just to be born an intelligent intelligent woman. I can't talk, y'all. I'm sorry. (laughs) Intelligent woman in this period. Um, Subjugation to husband, church, community was the rule. So can you talk about how you set up this historical novel that explores such contemporary feminine issues? It's so relevant today. And were there any moral lessons that you were trying to convey? Um, A, you're speaking just fine. (laughs) But it doesn't matter if you're not, because you're debuting on the New York Times bestseller list. You can speak (laughs) any way you want. want. With forked tongues. So excited. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to walk a tightrope. I wanted the book to feel and to be historically authentic in every way. I mean, thee, thou, thine, prithee. My rhythmic touchstones were Anne Bradstreet Mm -hmm. and the King James Bible. That was the voice I was after. But I also wanted the book to be weirdly, importantly, timely. Mm -hmm. I mean, one of Mm -hmm. the ironies to Mary Deerfield's life and to any woman's life in the 17th century is you have these men who are doctors who are burning toads and using straw to put the ashes up a patient's nose to cure him, who are bleeding their patients. And then you have women and midwives who are using herbs and salves and are figuring out that herbal remedies are better than bleeding some guy who's <laughs> ill. Yeah. Um, there's no coincidence that if you wanted to be hanged as a witch, here's what you needed to be. Smart, mm. strong, yeah. and opinionated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Here's I'm a dead. <laughs> Oh, all five of you are out. We're goners. Yeah, we're out. out. I mean, um, dismissed. The Puritans came to North America with visions of building a city on a hill. Instead, they started the genocide Mm -hmm. of the indigenous people 
and they continued the ritualized subjugation of women. Oh, yeah. Children. That's what's so powerful today and why it's so relevant yeah. to see because the kind of the silencing of women is happening. Today. Yes, perfectly put. The silencing of women. It's no surprise that among the first women not hanged, but excommunicated and exiled is Anne Hutchinson. Free-thinking antinomian midwife who is mm. sent into the wilds of Rhode Island because the Massachusetts Bay Colony wants nothing to do with a smart, strong, opinionated woman. Wow. And I love the way you brought her in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, you know, that kind of leads me right into the question I had. Chris Booklist wrote in its starred review of Hour of the Witch, throughout Bojalian's pro prolific career, he's rewarded readers with indelibly drawn female protagonists. I think we've all noticed yeah, that. You're you know, the same thing you say that, Mary Kay, about every book you've written. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> true. True. But, you know, I don't write. Um, it, it's interesting because not a lot of contemporary uh, authors who write commercial fiction, which is what we do. Um, not a lot of those uh, of male authors know how to write believable, mm -hmm. strong, um, interesting, memorable female protagonists. And you know how to do that. What draws you to write to such, such strong and memorable female protagonists? Now I know that um, you've got a wife and daughter I, I think you've said who are kind of an inspiration for you. Would you talk about that a little bit? Sure. Um, I have three readers who are so important to me. My lovely bride, Victoria Bloor, has read every single word I've written since cool. we were 18 years old. Oh, wow. wow. Every I word. love that. <laughs> I love and that. she's a really great reader. I mean, I remember she once said to me, when apparently I wasn't taking some criticism well, <laughs> she said, wouldn't you rather hear it from me than the New York Times? Uh -huh. And she's yeah. right. <laughs> and I depend on our daughter, Grace Experience, who has now narrated all or parts of five of my books. Wow. And has been reading my books since she was in eighth grade and giving me advice. She's so astute. And I depend on my editor, Jenny Jackson at Penguin Random House, who's so much smarter than I am. And the other thing I'll tell you is this. And I don't know if I've ever told anyone this. <laughs> it's a secret. Here is leaning oh, in, my, we're all leaning in. <laughs> yes. When my dad was dying, the last year of his life. Right. I was flying to Florida every three weeks for a year. I was probably there 15 or 16 times. Right. And my aunt, his sister, said to me on one of those visits, Jesus Christ, thank God you're the daughter he never had. <laughs> <laughs> and it, was, it was a compliment. Oh. It was yeah, the highest the compliment. The highest. The highest. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. So, Chris, you're also known for just the daunting amount of research mm -hmm. you do. 
which fascinates me because I have that tendency. I write historical fiction. I have that tendency to go down the research rabbit hole. Um, And it's sometimes hard when you go down that rabbit hole to kind of figure out what you're going to put into your novel and and what's just going to be something that you hold in the back of your mind that helps shape those characters and helps shape that world. But if you balance that research with a powerful story, I think it's those details you uncover that, you know, that really make the story sing if you're doing it right. And obviously you're doing it right, which is perhaps the understatement of the evening. So I would love to hear you talk. I mean, it was so interesting to hear that, um, that this story and the idea for this story has been with you for so long. But can you talk a little bit about what you did to color in this world so vividly and also to make this story that was set in the past and set so strongly in the past what you did to make it so um, so vibrant and accessible for us today. I mean, it, it, it was very much a story of the past, but very much a story with modern threads to it. Thank you. And yes, you know as well as anyone um, how a little research goes a long way. Yeah. yeah. One of the things you need to be careful about is not showing off. Yes, it's not true. showing off or dumping. Yeah. Look at it, look at how much I know about yeah. 1662 Boston. Exactly. I mean, yeah. You know, no one needs to know the details of chamber pots. Are um, <laughs> <laughs> you picking shoes? Yeah. I got an email the other day that yeah, I think really nailed it. This reader wrote code pegs. They didn't have hangers in closets, did they? Yeah. I'd never thought of it. Uh, they yeah. hung their capes and coats yeah. on pegs. Yeah. And I just came across that in a book on the architecture of a 17th century Boston home. Oh. And there are no closets. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, there are no hangers. There are yeah. pegs. And I just, I just love that. I came across a book on the construction of the Boston townhouse or courthouse Mm. in the late 1650s. And this was sort of like building the Empire State Building in the 1930s. This was a big deal. Yeah. But it was so basic. Yeah. One of the biggest deals, the quill room. The room where the magistrates would go with their quills. Wow. Oh, my God. A room for the desk and quills is a big deal. Wow. I just loved it. What great details. Is that what surprised you the most? Or is there any? No, what surprised surprised me the most were the details of their eating. I talked about the table manners. I have to admit, I'm surprised, too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, here's everything about what they ate. When we think of Thanksgiving, we think of turkeys. Well, the first Thanksgiving had three wild birds. And we don't even know if they were turkeys. Huh. In Boston in the 1630s, mm-hmm. the Puritans ate lobster like bologna. Like now? <laughs> I mean, the lobsters were sense. two and a half pounds. Wow. You go into Bath Bay and you just pull one out of the water. And, wow. you know, it was just crap food and it's what they lived on the amount of lobster they ate and they're not eating with forks i mean 
just imagine what a disaster it was. Oh my gosh. It was a crack a lobster across your neighbor's head. Here, have some. (laughs) I feel like you're describing Christy's life now that she's a New York Times bestseller, like just lobster all the time. It's just, it's like lobster caviar. I mean, it's just, you know, I've been a New York Times bestseller for two hours now and it's just changed me completely. (laughs) We can tell. We can tell. Uh, it's so a good feeling, isn't I, it? It's this it great. It's a great. I mean, let's. It's a great validation. Yeah. I will never forget the first time I was on the list. I turned to my that? wife and I said, "Does this mean that my mom is finally going to stop sending me law school applications?" that? Yeah. What, what was your first New York Times hit? Midwives. It was, it was, but it was, it was pre-Oprah. I mean, the book became a bestseller in August. Okay. You know, I don't know, it was like 13 or 14. Okay. Lasted a week or two. Yeah. You know, and then fell off the list. And then four months later, Oprah picked it and it's back on the list. And because it's Oprah, thank you, Oprah. You know, it isn't 13, it's one. Yeah. Talk oh, about a moment. I mean, and then oh a movie. Gosh. And yeah. then a movie. And then a movie. Yeah. With, awesome. with Sissy Spacek, no less. So that was- and and Allison Pill, who would go on to you know just crush it in the newsroom into so many movies and on Broadway yes. with three. Yes. Women. Yes. Yes. Yeah. She's amazing. Yeah. Yep. It's incredible. Oh. Well, I am going to go um, now and in a little different direction because um, and and a more serious tone now. But this past week, you know how President Biden acknowledged the tragic genocide of Armenians 106 years ago. Finally, it was acknowledged. And I thought it was timely tonight to bring up a very important book of yours, Sandcastle Girls. And for those of you who haven't read it, this is the really heartbreaking story of the relatively unknown Armenian genocide. And you've said that this was the best book you will ever write and the most important. And on writing it, you said, and I'm quoting you, it has helped me to understand more about who I am, the geography of my soul. Wow. Can you elaborate on why this book was so important to you and how you feel in this past week of this amazing announcement? I'm going to answer the second question first. I'm thrilled. The lack of recognition of the Armenian genocide is an open wound for Armenians. It's a trauma. I'm a grandson of two survivors. There were two million Armenians living in the Ottoman Empire in 1915. By the end of the genocide, 1.5 million or three out of every four would be dead. Um, numbers. And until the last 15 years, it was all but forgotten. Yeah. Which is why I wrote the Sandcastle Girls to try to do two things educate my readers to this precedent to the Holocaust. Mm -hmm. Stephanie Edick at the University of Jerusalem once said, the Holocaust might have happened without the Armenian genocide. 
But the Armenian genocide made it dramatically more likely because Germany was an ally of the Ottoman Empire. Wow. The Germans were there. And the Germans were either saying, this is horrible, it has to stop. Or they were there like Rudolf Hess, the commandant of Auschwitz, who would say it was where I learned to kill. So the acknowledgement means so much. Mm -hmm. And why did I write the book? Yes, I wrote it as an education. And I wrote it for my grandparents who survived. I wrote it for all of the Bojalians and Shodanians who were killed. Um, I have been back to our, I go back prior to the pandemic. Mm-hmm. I would go to Armenia almost every year, but, but I've also been to Eastern Turkey, Anatolia, Cilicia, the Armenian homeland, six times. Mm-hmm. And that's where I really feel the geography of my soul. When I walk in a world of unmarked mass graves, when I walk in a world of the ruins of Armenian villages, Armenian churches, Armenian monasteries, when I meet the Kurds who live there now, who invite me into their fields and homes, And we share tea and they will Mm -hmm. walk me deep past the goats and the cows. And all of a sudden they will show me the bricks and the walls that remain of an Armenian church. Now ruins. I found the church in Kaysidi. Where my grandfather was baptized. Oh wow! Oh, lovely. And as Very my wife lovely. said to me, as we're lighting a candle, because there are no Armenians left except in Istanbul. You know, the Armenians have been ethnically cleansed. And as we're lighting a candle, and my wife said, "You realize, don't you? You're breathing the air your grandfather breathed here as an infant." Wow. How so powerful. powerful. That is your soul. Absolutely. That's yeah. your DNA. That's unbelievable. Yeah. That was, um, thank you for sharing that. That was very personal and yeah. we appreciate it. That was yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Um, I, I could talk about this for a long time. However, we have other questions I know, Chris, that are coming. Um, this is an amazing community and Everyone has questions for you. Kathy or Mary Kay, um, why don't you ask the first one? Yeah, Brenda Hoffmaster Spalding says, other than your own, is there a book that you wish you'd written? That's an interesting There are question. so many books that I wish I could have written. <laughs> oh my God, I finished Surviving Savannah and thinking to myself, this is the kind of Correct. book to read when I'm writing because it gives you an inferiority complex. <laughs> yes, that's exactly right. Talent in action. I mean, if you look at the library behind me, I mean, there are just so many books that yeah. I would love to have written. Mm-hmm. I would love to have written, you know, Viet Wynn's new book, The Committed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I would love to have written 
Anne Lamont's Dusk Night Dawn. I would love to have written Toni Morrison's Beloved. Wow, that's it's a long man. list. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a great question. Well, Susan L. Carlson wants to know how you pick your writing projects, and she says that your books are also different and diverse. The book has to pass, I think, two kinds of litmus tests. It's such a good question. The first one, I figure out as I go along. Yeah. Am I excited to get to my desk in the morning to write it? Hmm, if I'm one. not excited, I my like readers that. won't be. Yeah. And I will stop writing. Yeah. The other litmus test is this. When I first had the idea, did I think to myself, oh my gosh, I want to read that book. Yeah. I want to hang out with that character mm-hmm. or characters. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I not say other thing. My books begin with a premise. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. Alcoholic flight attendant wakes up next to a dead body. Yeah. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. That was a good one. Yeah. And <laughs> I like the premise. Yeah. I'm all yeah. in to begin it. It's awesome. Is there a time period of history that you would love to write about, but you haven't found the right story yet? Yes. Another great question. Mm. The 1920s. Hmm. I love that. Yeah. Fun time. Fun time. Yes. Change. I want so to read many that great book. books. You have been so many great books set in the 1920s, including one of my favorite books of all times, The Great Gatsby. The Great Gatsby. Oh, I knew you were going to so bring great. that one up. Yeah. I was thinking about Fitzgerald, too. Yeah. yeah. yeah they're yeah. just so... You know, every time I think of, um, you know, Marjorie Kinnon Rawlings or yeah, Ernest Hemingway or, or Scott mm-hmm. Fitzgerald, I just think to myself, yeah, yeah. the 1920s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, have one more. Yeah, you know, um, I think that uh, we'll see if we have any New York Times bestselling authors in the house who want to ask the next question. Any any recent New York oh, Times bestsellers? Oh, um, actually, I, there there is one that someone is really dying to ask. So this is sort of switching gears because we have had such a you know deep and serious show here. But um, Chris, I met you at Southern Voices a few years ago, and you told the most hilarious story about something that happened to you in an airport that has still stuck with me all these years later. And could you please share that story? Because I think that our viewers would really like that. <laughs> I have no pride. <laughs> so great. We I was there. I heard the story. I was, there. I was like, great. Granny was there. She heard the story. I was there. I heard it. <laughs> most people presume that book tours are glamorous. Mm-hmm. You jet around the country and you hang around with Jenna Hager and Terry Gross and sell <laughs> pallets of books. Mm-hmm. But the reality is that <laughs> by day 14, you'll have been on 17 regional jets yeah. and reduced to wearing a strange man's underwear. <laughs> I'm making that up. And not. It really happened to me on the Secrets of Eden book tour. See, on a book tour... Your publisher wants to get you to as many cities as possible, mm-hmm. as quickly as possible. So, you know, you know, Monday's Charleston, Tuesday, Savannah, Wednesday, Chicago, Thursday's Denver, Friday's LA, one night, one city. Yeah. But on the Secrets of Eden book tour, 
on day 14, I got to Minneapolis and I looked at my schedule and I saw I'm not checking out until Sunday. <gasps> so the first thing I did was I sent out a Mini Cooper sized pile of laundry. Yes. <laughs> did my yes. Friday event. Yes. Two events Saturday. Get back to my hotel room Saturday night. And there in the bed are my shirts, which have been dry cleaned, and a box with my laundry. And I open my suitcase on the floor and I open the box of laundry to pack. And in it are 14 pairs of underwear. Not mine. Oh, <laughs> no. Not a man's. Not a man's. You're a very petite woman. Now, I've done this long enough to know that rule number one of a book tour is you, oh you never give the hotel all of your underwear. I <laughs> three pairs. Hilarious. We're not in crisis mode. So Sunday morning, oh. I'm checking out. And the laundry is closed because it's Sunday, the hotel. So I give the bellman these 14 pairs of women's underwear. And I said to him Monday, when the laundry opens, if you find my underwear, here is the hotel where I'm going to be in Orlando, Florida on Tuesday. And if you could send it by FedEx, I'd be grateful. And we both looked at each other like, yeah, that's going to happen. That ain't happening. Do my events in Madison on Sunday and Commando. Great, you know. And then Monday, you know, and then Tuesday, I fly on to Orlando and I get to my hotel and when I'm checking in, the woman behind the counter says, Mr. Bojali, we have a Federal Express package for you from a hotel in Minneapolis. Ah. And no. I cradle it against my chest like it's my birthday. <laughs> and I go to my hotel room and I open it up. It's and nice. sure enough, okay. in there are 14 pairs of underwear. Not mine. <laughs> <laughs> but they're men's man's. Hilarious. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I was my gosh. Boss. And so I did the last All week right. of the Secrets of Eden book tour. In a strange man's underwear. I was so <laughs> grateful. <laughs> that is the best question. That is it. That's going to go down in the annals of our history. Amazing. Yeah. Oh, my God. All right. Okay. I don't know how to go from A to B, but we're going to try. Um, we love our writer's tips. So to go from underwear to writer's tips, only you could pull this off, Chris. Let's hear our, could you please give a writer's tip? Yes. Number one. Disappear. That's it. Like, that's how you do it. Wear someone else's underwear. Oh, oh, yes. I begin that's a good one. with this dictionary. Yep, this dictionary yep, yep. is one of those dictionaries that is so big. It sits on its own library pedestal mm. in my library. The first thing I do every day is I go to that pedestal. And I pick out two or three words I've never used before. Wow. Noctivigant. Luminescent. I might not use them that day, but I'm going to try. Because what all of us do is massage words, and words are beautiful. Yes. That's I've the never first step. That. 
read the dictionary. Wow. Tip number two. We get a bonus. Watch movie trailers. Those impeccably produced two and three minute trailers for movies or TV series, they instantly catapult me into a different world. I remember when I was writing The Guest Room, over and over I watched the trailers for Birdman, Cake, and Boyhood. Because each one put me in a place I needed to be to write that book. Mm. I that's love that. those are two that I've never heard before. Me those neither. Really, I really love that. Awesome. Yeah. yeah oh my gosh. Good. Let's go well, watch have the trailer to... for the flight attendant. Let's oh, that. Exactly. I'm the, I'm really thrilled that you said that on the night my trailer came out. So yeah. everyone, that's really great. Um, I know we have a lot to unpack even yet. Um, Chris, you did mention your two books that you wanted to, I'm just going to mention them again, because we're kind of running low on time. We have a few things to get through, but you wanted to highlight, and maybe we could show the cover, Sean, for Dusk, Night, and Dawn by the one and only Anne Lamott. And you also mentioned a couple times a phenomenal book, The Committed, which is really wonderful. And we all have books we want to recommend that I think I just want to throw a highlight out to a woman who is Cy Montgomery, who is a a remarkable author. Oh, thank you. Isn't she the best? Uh, she's she's one of she there's only one side and she's going to be on our show on the 16th and her book the hummingbirds uh gift which i'll write about for the page later is remarkable and if you love hummingbirds like i do you'll love this one um we have a few more questions we're going to one more big question to ask you but if you don't mind we're going to do a little bit of housekeeping first so patty why don't you begin We want to remind you all all about our podcasts. So if you don't know yet, or you came tonight because of Chris and you don't know, we don't just have the show. The show becomes a podcast. And then we have extra podcasts. We have themed podcasts. We interview other authors. Next week, you will hear Mary Kay and I interviewed Jen Hart who is the founder of the Blockbuster Book Club, Book Club Girl. Mary Alice and Mary Kay talked with the one and only Zibby Owens. And that one just came out. And you can find us wherever you find podcasts. We are also thrilled with everything that Lisa Harrison and Brenda Gardner are doing with the Friends and Fiction Official Book Club. And there is a lot coming up. You guys, the two of them are so amazing. Uh, so this they're month they'll be reading. Oh, they're amazing. And I know, I know, Christy, they just came and saw you live on your tour, which Y'all, is so great. I knew Lisa was going to be there, but I did not know Brenda was coming. And I was like talking and it was not pretty. It was not pretty when she walked out. I was like, oh my God, it's Brenda. I mean, it was oh. It was amazing. It was amazing. Seeing those pictures made me so happy. They've just been such a, um, such a wonderful force for us. And I know they're reading Christie's Under the Southern Sky, her New York Times bestseller uh, this month. Yes. Oh, is it? (laughs) We hadn't mentioned that. Have we mentioned that? (laughs) So Christie will be joining them in mid-May to discuss her beautiful, beautiful book. So if you have questions for Christie about it, (laughs) just in case we hadn't mentioned it. So also this Friday, the day after tomorrow, Mary Kay will be there for a special book club happy hour at Mm -hmm. 7.30 Eastern with our dear friend, Mark. 
<laughs> exactly. With our dear friend Ron Block to talk about the newcomer, which of course comes out next week. And Mary okay. Alice will be yeah, and Mary Alice will be joining the club the following Friday at seven for a happy hour luau to celebrate the summer of lost and found. So all three mm. of them will be taking your questions. And it's just a great time to join the book club if you haven't already and show up for all three of those events. It's gonna be mm-hmm. awesome. I have a really big announcement tonight. So for the first time ever, Friends in Fiction is going to be live. We are going to be in my town of Beaufort, North Carolina on June 23rd for a noon luncheon. And at 7 p.m., we will be streaming our show with a live audience for the first time ever. So Do we have to wear pants? I mean, it doesn't have to be pants. Like it could be like a very loose dress, like something that feels, you know, a little more comfortable, but something, something. Preferably underwear. You also have to brush the back of your hair. (laughs) Yes, and and your mask. What a mask. Exactly. Your mask. You don't have to put on makeup. You don't have to put on makeup except from like here up. Your eyes. Yeah. Yeah. We're really excited about that. Yes, we are very excited. Excited. We're very excited. Um, tickets are available from the Beaufort Historic <laughs> site. Um, I actually did an announcement about the, I mean, I did a post about it yesterday, but I will pin it in announcements so you can find the information. And again, we thank our partners, um, Mama Geraldine's and Page One Book Subscriptions. We adore them both. And use the code FAB5 for a discount on both websites. And next week, May 5th, I'm excited because it's a big launch party. For my new summer novel, The Newcomer, I hope you guys will be here at 7 p.m. Eastern. You know, our launch events are big deals around here. Mm -hmm. And uh, just we don't even I have no idea what you guys are cooking up. So um, (laughs) I think it's probably going to involve (laughs) some accessorization. Mustaches, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. We really couldn't say. We really couldn't say. (laughs) We can't say. Well, it's always fun. Always fun. And you definitely don't want to miss it next week's show. Because, I mean, really, this is the launch of the newcomer. Mm -hmm. Oh, so much news. And now, Patty, could you please ask Chris our final question? Well, first, Chris, thank you for being so kind about Thank you. Yeah, this is so great. You've made me blush, and that's really hard to do. (laughs) But one of the favorite questions that we love to ask authors, and I can't wait to hear your answer because of your background, but what were the values around reading and writing growing up in your family? Do you think they helped turn you into a writer at all? What were the values of your parents and your home around reading and writing? Okay, first of all, books were king. My father, ironically, was a television producer. But he read, and my mom was a voracious reader. And I'll tell you two things. First of all, my mother never cared when I drew the Starship Enterprise on the first edition cover of her edition of The Old Man in the Sea. Oh, no. Or colored in all of the leaves as if it were a Peter Max poster of her first edition of To Kill a Mockingbird. That is a good mother because I'm telling you, I would have been a little grumpy about that one. After my father died, when I was cleaning out his home, I came across 
is a sweater box. And in the box were all of the short stories my parents had saved that I wrote in the oh, third and fourth grade. Oh, and that's, that's incredible. I think it's amazing that my mother had saved them and my father had saved them. And it's also really interesting. This is the oldest short story I ever wrote, still in existence. Oh. And it speaks volumes about what I would write as a <laughs> But the very last sentence of this short story is, the dripping stopped and the vultures <gasps> had their meal. Ew. Okay. Enough said right there. That ex you have the talent all over the place, by the way. Wow. The dripping oh, stopped. <laughs> well, thank you. Oh, my gosh. That well, is... That is amazing. So you all out there, if you have fallen in love with Chris, as we all have in the yeah. last hour, um, I mean, we all knew he was an incredible writer, but I just, I, I'm so taken with him as a person too. This has just been oh, such a pleasure. You. So, so if, if you all feel that way too, and I know you do, don't forget you can pick up a personalized and signed copy of his Hour of the Witch this week from the Vermont Bookshop. You can also order copies of all of our new and upcoming books, some of them New York Times bestsellers, just saying, <laughs> um, at 10% <laughs> off with the code FF10. And remember, if you order Mary Alice's upcoming The Summer of Lost and Found from the Vermont Bookshop tonight, you will also receive the handy reusable straw and case as a gift. But as always, it's just wonderful to support um, a great <laughs> independent bookstore that's doing a great job. A great job in their community. Well, so often happens, the hour's a little over, a, a little over, over, and we still have so many questions. But Chris, this has been a joy. Thank you. You, your, just your props alone. I mean, you brought the the fork, which was From so great. When y'all read the book, you're going to understand the power of that fork. That's pretty impressive. Thank you so much, Chris, for coming. And we're so excited for the launch of the Hour of the Hour of the Witch next week. And All please, of you are amazing. Thank you for what you do to celebrate amazing. what words Thank and you. reading and books can mean to the soul. Thank you. And thank you were a good sport thank tonight. You. So thank you. <laughs> yes. And that's it for this week, everybody. And please hang in for the after show where we're going to be talking about Beach Reunion, the anthology that celebrates the life of Dorothea Benjamin Frank. Thank you all. Happy reading. Thanks, Chris. Good night. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. Thank thank you. Good night, Chris. You. Hope to see you soon. Yeah. Yes. Hope so. Wow, what a night. Wow. What a so night. We have fun. so much to celebrate. First of all, Chris was wonderful, but we have mm -hmm. so many things. We have um, Christy making the New York Times our end of our birthday month. The month is over. We hope we have a winner. We have Patty. We have um, Mary Kay's. Thanks, Patty. <laughs> Patty. <laughs> you are the best. <laughs> it's really fun. So it's just we have so much to talk about tonight. Um, but I have one more thing, and that is we're all want to talk about this wonderful anthology that's coming. That's just debuting. Reunion Beach. It's the anthology that celebrates Dorothy Benton Frank. Patty and I have a story in it, but there's also poems and essays and lots of other information, um, memories that are included in this really beautiful tribute. So... Um, you know, it's it's an amazing book, and it was it was very hard, Patty. Don't you think to um, 
to write the story under the circumstances? Um, you know, so Reunion Beach, for those of you who don't know, was the brainchild of Dorothy Ben Franks, Dottie's editor um, named Carrie Farron. And when we were all trying to talk about, we were sitting at her funeral, actually, at her memorial service mm-hmm. at her house in Sullivan's Island and talking about what could we do to honor her. And Pat Conroy had passed just the year before and a book had been written where people wrote essays about him. And she, Carrie wanted to do something different than that. And she was talking about how she, Dottie already knew what her next book was going to be about when she passed. And it was going to be called Reunion Beach. And so the idea was to gather her writer pals and ask, and the only um, stand, the only hold we had on it was that it had to be a reunion and it had to be on a beach. (laughs) So, you know, we each got to, it's Adriana Trigiani, Ellen Hildebrands, Marjorie Wentworth wrote a poem, um, Cassandra King, Pat Conroy's widow, Gervais Haggerty, who has a debut coming out this year. And I know I'm probably forgetting. Well, mostly the family, right? That, that, I mean, Mm -hmm. for me, Peter, her husband, and her daughter, Victoria, who is so vibrant, and of course, Will, their memories were, oh, Victoria, she wrote the afterward, right? Or the introduction, and I believe Peter wrote the afterward. It was so powerful and personal. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. So y'all run out and get it. It came out yesterday. So yeah, um, so exciting. And, yeah. Now, Patty, your short story is called The Bridesmaids. Tell us about that. Oh, I'm going to make this quick. Um, when when one of the things Carrie told me was that Dottie in this book was going to be using birds of South Carolina, birds of prey, shorebirds, all the birds of South Carolina. And she actually sent me some things she had found in Dottie's office about birds. Wow. So my story is about a woman who is divorced, who is trying to decide whether to get married again to a man she loves, but marriage didn't go so well for her. So she gathers the bridesmaids and best friends from college to go to the beach with her to decide whether to get married. And the oh, woman I love that. Isn't that fun? And the I woman wish that was a whole novel, Patty. Well, it needs to be, right? Yeah. And the woman who gathers her bridesmaids to decide whether to get married again. Um, they each, of course, have their own thing going on. But the main woman, um, Beatrice is her name, is a painter of birds. And so oh, she assigns like she assigns each one of her friends yeah. to be. I like, like that part a lot. Awesome. Yeah, I like mm. that a lot. Oh, Ron. So I know. Nice. How about you, Mary Alice? Yours was Mothered and Child Reunion. Mother and Child Reunion. And I, this was, an, you know, this was my very first short story. And it, I, I think I prepped as hard for this as, or harder than a novel because it was, for me, a, a, a new medium. And I have a cousin who had just met her mother, 40 years old, and she was released for adoption. And she had just met her birth mother. Mm-hmm. And I was so 
impressed by the emotions and the story of this mother-child reunion again at 40 years of age. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, you know, this is a really beautiful story to tell set on a beach. And I told it from the two points of view of the mother and anticipation. It's all building up to the moment. Because I thought to myself, I would be so nervous about mm. meeting a mother who I'd never yeah. known for, for the sure. first time. You know, I didn't want afterwards, they get together, they talk, they fight, whatever. It's before. So from the mother's point of view, building up to it, and then the daughter's point of view. And what was really interesting, based on a true story, is there's a, a, a mental um, illness called Munchausen by proxy. Mm. And that's where the mother tries to um, make her child sick so yeah. she can take care of her. It's really weird stuff. Yeah. And this had happened to my cousin. So I put this all mm. in the story of how she overcame that. So here's mother on the Isle of Palms and daughter coming from Atlanta to that last moment. And it was, it was, I really, I think it's one of the best things I've ever written, which is um, amazing because it was my first short story, but it was so full of emotion because of my cousin and also because wow. of Dottie, you know, mm -hmm. hello, yeah. goodbye, hello, goodbye. So I'd like to raise a toast for yes. all of it. Here's a toast to Dorothea Benton Frank yes. for her memory may always live on in her stories. Cheers. 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 So, Mary Kay Andrews, how are you feeling with six days till pub? Can you talk to us about it? <laughs> Have um, you made any target runs lately? Because I am, I am ready. I like cannot wait. I, I am. I'm already like plotting the videos that I'm going to be doing. Plotting <laughs> things I'm going to say on the show next week. Just you uh -oh. wait, Henry Iggins. <laughs> such a good book such a good book just you wait until you'll be sorry then your tears will be too late you'll be too late you'll be yes. broke and i'll have money <laughs> something something funny just you wait you wait Henry Henry Iggins, just you wait you know mary alice and patty and i went to see my fair lady patty's favorite broadway show we saw the movie at a movie theater in um Bluffton. In Bluffton one night. And that was so much fun. I'd forgotten so much about that movie. Just so yeah, I'm uh the main thing I'm trying to do is find clothes that I can get into. <laughs> oh, tour. Honey, you and me both. <laughs> it's, it's a pandemic. Like stretchy pants are just Oh, don't there. even talk to me. Yeah. Don't even talk to me. <laughs> well, I mean, I know I put on real pants tonight, but in fairness, I bought them yesterday. <laughs> oh, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Anyway. They were not pre-pandemic them yesterday in downtown Bluffton. You can ask Will. He was with me. <laughs> yeah, so it's pandemic one. I got to oh, find yeah. some I got to find some tour clothes. Um, you know, I'm going to do some in-person events. Christy kind of uh, paved the way for like some of us so, to yeah. tiptoe out and do a mixture of uh, in-person and virtual. And um, I've already messed up. You know, usually your publishing house plans your itinerary and your tour. And yeah. this year, publishing this houses year. publishing houses said, Ixnay on the Orte. So, uh, Meg... <laughs> Meg is my publishing house this year. So she, <laughs> I, I tried to do it and I messed it all up. And so we 
I think we'll be traveling around Florida in a go-kart. I don't know. <laughs> It'll that work whatever great. you do. It'll I work. Think that'll, that'll I think I get to see you. <laughs> um, are you going to meet up with us, yes. Kristen? I'll be there. Okay, great. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, here's so, to a happy um, tour, and, and here's to getting clothes. <laughs> and my own underwear. I, I know. I thought that was, was hilarious. I thought that his writing tip was always going to be save back some underwear in your carry-on. <laughs> <laughs> or just get some pairs. You get a backup. Exactly. You know, one time I was coming, I was going, I don't know, maybe I was in Boston or someplace. I picked up someone else's bag at the oh, carousel. Did you really? That's bad. I did. It looked exactly like that. mine. Yeah. I got to the I got to my hotel, unzipped it, and went. Uh oh. Fortunately, um, whoever's bag I picked up, it was that was their home, so they weren't on they weren't oh, out on perfect. business. Oh, so I called the airline. The airline called the other person. I said, "Please apologize to them for me." Yeah. And um, they, uh, my bag was still at at oh. baggage claim and their bag was in my hotel Especially in downtown Boston. You can't let that happen. You know, that is kind of, that's the meat cue. That's a nightmare. Oh, that's a great shh. Hush. Shh. Right? <laughs> I know, well, it's a, not giving away anything. It's not giving away anything. Luggage. <laughs> luggage, luggage Steve. Wait, it would have been. It would have been. Kelly, that was awesome. <laughs> that was awesome. Girls, I have to cut out only because we have a, a major, I'm in Mexico and we have to go. Carry on. Christy, I'm so Thank excited you. for you. I love you all. Thank you. And number eight. Number eight. Safe travels, Mary Alice. Thank you. I'll see you all um, in a stateside. I love you yes. all. Bye. 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 So what did your mom say, Christy? Was she so excited? Oh so excited. <laughs> yeah, so excited. I mean, you guys know this is not like... I mean, I, I really work. I mean, like, this is not like, oh my God, I hit the list. I mean, like it is years of like really hard work and, um, you know, and I don't even make it look easy. So it's, you do, um, it's glamorous. I'm so thrilled. I'm so grateful to you guys because you really like stepped up to the plate and have just been so supportive of me. You helped me so much. I'm so grateful for everything that y'all did because it was, huge and big and you just you took this book like it was your own and you really just did so much for it and so now (laughs) we're gonna do the same for the newcomer because even though our mka is always a massive new york times (laughs) bestseller we're gonna get her way up there at the tippy top i love it i love it so the plan right now is everyone has to go right this minute and pre-order the newcomer because it's coming out on Tuesday. It's yeah. it's my favorite MKA. And I say that like oh, every year, but it's yeah, so good. So I was like just flipping pages, flipping pages, flipping. And, and it's a, it's like a big book. And when it came in the mail, I was like, oh, yeah. this is like it's a book. brick. It's a brick. And, and I read it in like, I mean, I was getting ready to leave on tour. I had no time and I read it in a day and a half. So like that's yeah, I mean it, yeah, well, you just like the too. you just like the dedication because it's dedicated to all of you. Well, yeah, yeah I mean that's that, why it's that. your favorite book. Let's be real. <laughs> no, you know I'll, I'll tell you why it's my favorite book because it's coming out on my birthday because my birthday is what? Tuesday. Oh, and I know so, that. Yeah, I, you're ruining What's this. You're, you're ruining this, Mary Kay. Because what I'm assuming in my head, what I've conjured in my head, is that obviously you wrote this book for me because it's coming yes. out on my birthday, mm-hmm. and it includes Paw Patrol, which is obviously a part 
part of my life. Yes. Um, and it's set in Florida, which is a part of my life. So clearly it's my book. And so yeah, all of you out there have to buy like 10 copies mm-hmm. because then maybe you'll write another book for me, which I'm so excited yes. about what book you're going to write for me next year. Wait, <laughs> I, I love it. Well, plus so you went to my favorite because um, <laughs> I had to drag Mary Kay Andrews across the finish line. Yeah. <laughs> I, mm-hmm. She did. So I'm so happy to see this book in the world. I am well, so happy. because she's so sick of hearing about it. And I, I am not going to give any spoilers, but I will always remember two things. One, that like text chain we had going on about Paw Patrol and when it would be on and what network. And then also when we were all at Tybee and we were trying to figure out um, the stuffed animal situation. That's all. Yes. 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 Mm-hmm. Oh, this really... Mm-hmm. Because no, I was dying to say what that means, but I'm not. Oh, gonna, I know, but no, we're not going to say it because it's a little bit of a spoiler. Order no. copies for yourself and all mm-hmm. your friends, so you can. All and Mother's out. Day, don't forget Mother's Day. Yes, True. it's perfect yeah. for your mom. Yeah, and, and I mean, her friends. It's a great Mother's Day story, and it's great for a book club. <laughs> yes, you know what That's would make you guys a perfect Mother's Day gift? I feel all like of our books, Surviving Savannah, and yeah. the newcomer, and Under the Southern Sky. I mean, I just and, 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 and close to Vanishing Stars. I think just the Oxford Exchange, the whole book, the whole box, just yeah, the subscription yeah. for your mom. Yeah, and you know we um, we're doing in person events, so. Yeah. Um, since we're just blowing it out here and um, doing blatant self promotion for brazen, <laughs> blatant self promotion for brazen hussies, yes. I'm gonna I'm gonna be in Savannah um, next Monday night. That'll be my first big in person yeah, with with Miss uh, Patty Callahan uh, in the in the scene of the crime in Savannah yeah. downtown Savannah oh, with the shavers. Come, you guys. Well, come on. we're gonna be at the Desoto. Oh. At the DeSoto, come on down. All right, I might. It's gonna come be on. sad if I miss y'all. You can stay like, at Tide. We've got Tide for the whole week. A little far, but okay. We'll go can, ahead. We'll, we'll can drive you. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean that week hurt. he took off at work. He can take another week off to drive me on your tour, right? What are his, <laughs> what are his patients' teeth care? Right, what do they fine. care? I mean, you guys, I've got to get off because I've had no food and okay. I've drunk by myself. Half a bottle. I think this is, is this the champagne you sent me, Kristen? It might Ooh. be. It might be. I think it <laughs> is. I've been hoarding <laughs> champagne. Well, I just like that it's, I like the solidarity. <laughs> Christy, okay, you guys are awesome. Christy I, Christy, I sent you champagne too, and I think it didn't get there because I think I sent it when it, like when you were out and they tried to, anyways, I'll. Oh, you should have champagne oh. for me, and it's not there. And I'm little will well. drank it. It's okay. Says, I can drink it tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. exactly. This is the buzz that does not quit, my darling. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. Okay, it's you go celebrate you. with your family. Love y'all. Okay, we're gearing yeah. up for your release. We're ready. Thank you. And let's go. We are Love ready. Love you all. Love you all. Love y'all. Congratulations, Cheers. Christy. Thank wait, you wait, all. wait. You're my family. Love y'all. Cheers to everyone. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Thank you for tuning in. Join us every week on Facebook or YouTube, where our live show airs every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. And please, subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Instagram. We're so glad you're here. Produced by Autovita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.